This morning's scripture reading comes from John 3, verses 1 through 16. Starting in verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit... He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, y'all all right this morning? Y'all seem kind of slow. Y'all need to stand up and shake it out or something? Yeah. Um, we continue in our sermon series, God's Reasons Why. And um, if I explain, as I explained in the last couple of sermons, we look at people. We'll be looking at people in the Gospels that Jesus lives and died for that you know, who and how they are, are God's reasons why for Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. As we look at these real people that Jesus um, interacted and encountered in his ministry, my hope is that we will see ourselves, our lives, and also the lives of those around us who are God's reasons why. Today, it's Nicodemus. And our reading tells us that he was a Pharisee and a ruler among his people, which means, you know, Nicodemus was a theological PhD. Uh, or uh, maybe some of us can better understand him as he's the pastor of the big church, right? He was on the New York Times bestsellers list of his day, lecturing on the circuit, probably the guest expert on CNN. He was getting all the hits on his Facebook and blog post, and 
And as a result, he was not only well-respected, most likely, and smart, but he was rich. And the Bible says that he comes to Jesus at night. And Jesus takes his curiosity, the curiosity of Nicodemus, and he does with most people, as he does with most people, as we'll see in the Gospels. He leads poor old Nicodemus down a spiritual rabbit hole that he would never return from the same. Now, this might on the surface seem like a nice little banter, you know, between two teachers at first. But what we see is a proud, spiritual, blind man, spiritually blind man, getting into more than he bargained for and more than he could handle. He goes to get it in with Jesus, right? And Jesus goes all in on him. And like Nicodemus, we need Jesus to go in on us as a Lord who is willing, as the Scripture teaches, to go all out for people like you and me. This is a story about God's reasons why for the proud, for those of us in spiritual darkness and those who need an experience of God's love. And he does this three ways we'll see here today by first stumping the proud. Secondly, by showing himself to those who are in darkness. And finally, by sharing God's love to those who haven't experienced it. Stumping the proud showing himself to those in dark, and sharing God's love. You know what this interaction between Jesus and Nicodemus reminds me of? And I might be aging myself a little bit here, dating myself. Um, one of those Sunday afternoon kung fu theater movies. Y'all remember them things? You do, Amari, thank you. Where you know you kind of have this numb skull comes in with Hey, master, I want to learn kung fu, right? And, and maybe this will help some of y'all. In Karate Kid style, the master makes him do something really silly, like carry these bottles up the hill and you'd be a great kung fu, right, person. And, or, or wax on, wax off, right? Wash my car every day. Or in other shows where the young guy thinks he is the master and can take the old man or the master is get eating and he says, show me what you got. And he is like, you're eating and old, I can beat you, I'm going to hurt you. And he gets beat up by some chopsticks, right? Like something like that. That's what we see here. Nicodemus comes to get some tips, some moves from the master, right? From the teacher, from the rabbis, he puts it. From a fellow faculty member or master of the Bible who has shown his stuff. And so Nicodemus wants to know what's up. And to come at Jesus like that, y'all, is what we call pride. To come as one in charge, who has it together, who just wants to get some more information to add to his already growing knowledge. And Nicodemus's pride in, is peculiar. He's not only a man of privilege, but the, let's be honest, the dude has paid his dues. He's earned the right to be heard and answered. And he probably had the Bible memorized, y'all. And he, and he has people he's responsible for hearing all about Jesus' stuff. And he needs to know what's going on. And maybe, just maybe, he can get some help for himself on some things he needs straightened out, right? But Nicodemus is impressed by all the miracle stuff Jesus has done. He even, he's so awesome, right? He even gives Jesus his endorsement telling him, Jesus, guess what? You must be from God. Thanks, Nicodemus, for letting God know he must be from God. And Jesus decides 
to stump, as in confound him, make him dizzy, confuse him a bit, tag him, hit him, drag him, stump a mud hole in his pride, take him down a notch, show him up a bit, and look how Jesus does it. We're going to look at how he handles it without getting into all the actual teaching yet, just for a minute. But but do you see, look at the beginning at verse 3 here in chapter 3. So Nicodemus comes, and Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So after Jesus pumps up Jesus, and by doing so, indirectly pumps himself up, like, hey, what's up, fellow teacher, right? By Jesus starting off his response here with verily, verily. Jesus basically strips all the accolades off of the conversation and off of Nicodemus. To say verily, verily, Jesus saying, yeah, yeah, with all your teachers like me, we in the same boat stuff, that's nice. But verily, verily is like saying, why are you playing, right? Here's what the real deal is. Not all that rabbi, hey, what's up, doc? What's up, dog? No, you the man, pound, handshake stuff. This is what is really important. Not all those people bowing to you and what you did in the hush with all of that for a minute so you can hear what's the real deal. Then he takes him down that rabbit hole for real, doesn't he? Like training day for the rookie because Nicodemus is dealing with the son of God, God himself, and not a fellow theological faculty member. Look at this discourse real quick and we'll read through it uh, and then we'll do it again. So get used to it. Look at verse 3 once again. If I can actually read it right this time. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, uh, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered once again, truly, truly, I'm sorry, y'all don't have verily, verily, do you? I'm sorry, y'all had truly, truly. I'm, I'm so King James right now. I am sorry. I'm glad I straightened it out. When Jesus says verily, verily, he didn't say verily, verily, Pastor Brown. He said truly, truly. Okay, same thing, y'all. Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do you marvel? That I said to you, you must be born again. He must have had his face all contorted, right? The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you you do not understand these things? Jesus is like you. Mr. Ph.D., Old Testament, Big Brother Almighty, don't know what born again is all about and what spiritual renewal, how it happens is all about? Come on, man, verse 7, don't act like you don't know, right? Maybe you should know, but maybe you're ignorant about the way you should know, all the stuff you should know as a teacher of the law and you're all proud about. And Nicodemus just can't stop having question after question. And Jesus buries him in verse 11 by saying this. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we've seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had have told you earthly things and you did not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? In other words, you know the Bible. You know the stories. You know the words. 
This is good for us, especially in the Bible Belt, right? Y'all know it. Enough to impress others and express what God might be saying. But you are not impressed personally deep down by what it actually means. You missed it. You don't have a clue about the, what the Bible and church and all that stuff is ultimately leading to and about. Let me tell you what Nicodemus is feeling. He's feeling like Papa Doc after Rabbit goes off, of him, goes off on him in the final battle scene in the movie Eight Mile. Okay, only a few of y'all got that. He's been undone. Okay, y'all know this one. Jesus dropped the mic on him. Okay. And the things that he believed made him good and feel good about himself, telling a teacher of the law, why are you marveling? You don't know what I'm talking about. What's going on, man? You the teacher and you don't get what the teacher's saying? All the things that he believed made him good feel good about himself and good with others and good with the world and good with God. Jesus showing him that he can't even make good on that stuff or make good out of that stuff that he actually believed he was the master at. Isn't that true for each one of us? And some of you don't know yet because you have yet to really pick up the proverbial microphone and go toe-to-toe with the master. Where you really put all you think you are and think you know and hold dear before Jesus on the line? Let me warn you. Like Nicodemus found out, when you bring your personal philosophy of goodness and righteousness, even all conservative, churchy, or liberal and lovey-dovey or not, you will not leave with the participation prize for sparring with Jesus. Jesus, the gospel message came to stump you today and to take you down that rabbit hole to experience the debilitating power of his divine human kryptonite, right? To take on and out what you think makes you super outside of him. Some of us approach the gospel, salvation offered by the God of the universe like a Sunday afternoon, right? Giddy, smoked out conversation with God, but God is not Playing around. He is always truly, truly. When you come at him and he comes at you, putting all of that yik yak fake news about yourself to the side and get to the real, the truly, truly. And he, here is the truth. This, this has been overused, I know, but it just fits here. Is that you and I truly, in and of ourselves, we can handle the truth, not this truth. Because Jesus come to go in on us. In. But not because he's mean. Jesus isn't mean. No, because we are puffed up. Because we are ballooned and buoyed and big-headed on ourselves, which is a sure sign that we don't get it and the gospel, what life is really about and where and who life really is, hasn't gotten to us, right? Because he, Jesus, does it does, he will come and pop our bubble and deflate our egos in order for us to get with Jesus and get what he has for us, like he told Nicodemus, you and I must actually have to be born again. Which means in large part, in large part, that the G, that that Jesus stumping out and putting an end to and being deadly to what you think might make you all right or not right, whatever it is, is part of what it means to be born again. Look, y'all, Jesus ain't mean. 
Far from as human beings, we can't help it, right? We live in this dog-eat-dog world, but, but be a little, we can be a little presumptuous and assumptuous about who we are and what we think we know. We, without Jesus, can't help but go with what and who we know. But Jesus wants to take us beyond ourselves into the kingdom of God, into eternal life, into salvation, out of darkness, and into God's light. Jesus came for Nicodemus, not only to stump his pride, but to show himself to a man who is in the dark. Look at verse 1 with me again. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Verse 2, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. From what we've already uncovered about Nicodemus, he, he may be coming to Jesus under the cover of night because of his pride. He may, may have drawn the, the short straw. Hey, hey guys, all the Pharisees hanging out. We heard about this Jesus dude. Everybody's going over there. You know, so, church on Sunday morning looking kind of loose. They all going to hear Jesus talk. I heard he even multiplying food and bread and stuff, y'all. We, we got to figure out what's going on. Who's going to go? Nicodemus, you, right? So he goes at night, maybe because of his pride. He may not want anyone else that may hold him in high esteem to see that he's longing and wanting to learn or that he is impressed with the teacher that others would consider lower than he is. So he comes at night out of his shame of curiosity and shame of class difference. But guess what, y'all? That is less important than what darkness means here. We are in the third chapter of the book of John, and in chapter 1, John goes through much length to talk about how the world is in darkness with Jesus because, of, because how the world is in darkness and that Jesus has come to be the light in that darkness. Nicodemus then is not only when we read about him coming at night, Nicodemus is not only in darkness with Jesus because of what time of day it is, he's in darkness about what Jesus and thus what God's message for him and the world is. Nicodemus is in spiritual darkness. Look what Jesus says to him in verse 3 again. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do you hear that? Unless you're born again, you cannot what? See the kingdom. Once again, a reference to darkness. If you can't see how to get there or see the way, then what? Verse 5, you can't enter or go the way or walk in the way because you can't even see the pathway. Unless, as, verse, as it says here, you are born of water and spirit. And Jesus using spirit and water, when he uses it, he is saying, unless you are changed spiritually, hear this now, in your present life, not when you get to heaven, but right now, unless your life is born again spiritually while on a physical earth in the flesh, unless you are a participant of God's holy eternal kingdom now that has come to be, that that he's come to bring now already, that if God the Holy Spirit doesn't rebirth you spiritually inside your heart, in your soul, right now before you die, you can't get your life on track or in tune with the Lord. 
think we make the mistake that, that somehow this is separate from our present lives. He's saying right now, in the flesh, something spiritual can happen to you. And then look at verse 7 through 9 again. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? In other words, Nicodemus, this born again Christian stuff, it's not signing a membership card. It's not showing up in a building. It's not wearing a cross, right? It's not getting a tattoo, Jesus is my homeboy. It's none of that. This stuff's spiritual. You should understand and expect, expect and be able to accept this from all your Bible reading. But guess what? On top of that, now, understand when you read the Old Testament, these guys who read it, they should be able to see the spiritual nature of what God is doing among his people. But he can't even see it because he's spiritually lost. In all his learning, because he is not born again, because God has not come alive in his heart and rebirthed him, he can't get it. See, Nicodemus, along with the rest of the Pharisees, they, he, he wanted to pull his life together based on all he had learned, how to live, how to be redeemed. You know, again, and I don't want to get too much into this, but this kind of consumeristic Christianity where I'm going to church so that I can have community, or I'm going to church so I can learn how to be a good person, or I'm going to church because whatever, you know, you're just kind of taking the menu items a la carte from church as if you're buying a product and throwing the rest of the wrapper away, Right? We're trying to put our lives together, trying to take little pieces of what we think this faith is about. And Nicodemus is trying to do the same thing, how to live, how to be good, how to please God, how to be a good person, how to be a good neighbor, how to, be, how to get to heaven maybe. You know, I just want some, how people call it, the old school fire insurance, right? I just want to make sure I don't go to hell, I wanna, but I want to live the way I want to live now, right? How to live life like the fulfilled human being God created me, how to be forgiven from guilt, how to live free from sin history, how to overcome and live struggling with, with broken lives, and how to have a better marriage, and how to be a better parent and loving others and living in this broken world. But he was trying, hear me, to piece all of that together in utter darkness. I could sit up here, y'all, and I could give you steps to a better whatever. I can even call it a Bible teaching. I can be passionate about it. Y'all ain't seen me sweat yet. Right? I can be loud. I can be whatever. But like Nicodemus, unless God does the invisible work, very real work of giving you and me a new heart and a renewed mind, we can't see the truth and light and way, and it doesn't truly transform us. Because we don't truly have the truth, the life and way at work in us. I don't care how many books you've read or like Nicodemus, how religious and church you are or aren't. I don't even care how spiritual you are, whether you have good intuition. 
Like Nicodemus, unless you've been born again, had the Holy Spirit of God come into your heart, you can't get right. It can't do right enough to be and begin to be all that God created you to be. And he's created you to be a lot of wonderful things, y'all. But you are in the dark about real life without the life of God coming right now, not one day, but today, not in the spiritual future somewhere, but the spirit and the water right in the now of your life and give you a new life from, get this, from the inside out. And don't get me wrong, I know some Christians will lead you to believe that born again means you'll never struggle again. Wrong church. Right? Maybe not be church if they tell you you'll never struggle again. I don't know what that is. We believe in sanctification. We believe that, that God, it takes time to grow into your spiritual new birth. And it, so it, it doesn't mean once you're born again that you won't struggle or make mistakes or have stress or try to put your life together on your own all over again or forget what God told you, right? No, the born again Jesus is talking about means being a new person. Right-headed and made and being made ready, starting right now for eternal life, but traveling, hear this, as a citizen of the kingdom, of eternal life within your same body and sin history and through and in the same fallen world as everybody else, the difference is your new birth now becomes the new identity and power and authority in your life over all the rest of those things. Not that the rest of those things won't exist, but they don't have ultimate power over you. And I say all of this, as I say all of this, it remains inconceivable to those in spiritual darkness. What you're talking about, Pastor Brown? Without help from the Lord, we are in darkness, and we might be hearing about it and meeting with the Lord and messing around and flirting with the things of God in darkness, but without God's help, you and I can't really see him and eternal life made for people just like you and me. So for those in spiritual darkness, hear me now, because I've talked about spiritual darkness and born again and all this stuff and the Holy Spirit and the water. We actually need somebody to come in the flesh, right? That's, that, that, look, look what God did now. He just, just, just didn't talk spiritual things, right? Oh, let's get real spiritual and let's just sit around and hope just something happens, right? It happened right there before Nicodemus, right? It, 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 he came. L look at verse um, 1 and 2. Again, I guess. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one else can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So it is a common mistake people make about Jesus and still today. Like he is a teacher. You know, I hear people say it all the time. You got Confucius, Buddha, Gandhi, Jesus, Right? And sometimes they throw Martin Luther King in there, right? But well, trust me, Martin Luther King would be like, go, go back to the guy, Jesus. Yeah, that's it, right? We'll always throw some folk. To, oh, just let's get some teachings from Jesus and then we'll be spiritual, right? He, he's a teacher. Like, he, like he, he's some, oh, oh, here's another one you hear. Ready? The, the, this is fake Christianity right here, like fake news, right? Jesus showed us. He came to give us an example. What? I don't see y'all multiplying sandwiches. What? 
He's our example. So if we try, oh, here we go. Let's be like Jesus. And, and some people's theology has actually become the WWJD, right? I understand that's part of it. But what would Jesus do? That's my Christianity. Jesus is my example, right? Wrong. It's not enough. He's a good example. Don't get me wrong now. He is the second Adam. You want to be like, yep, you want to know how to be human? Jesus was the most human person who ever lived, right? So, so the most whole human person that ever lived. So, yes, look at him. Great example. But he hits Nicodemus with that truly, truly stuff, right? He is saying, I know you think you can get life together if you just hear the teaching out of my mouth. How it should be before God by just hearing me. That you can just get another rule or law, three steps, or get real committed within yourself to make your own mind up. That's the way the Pharisees are working, right? To new life and pleasing to God and loving neighbor and having victory over this broken world. But here is where it is. The what and way that I am talking about my teaching is actually a who. That you can't Bible on heavenly spiritual stuff. There's too much darkness within and without. So God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had to come to you, right? He had to deliver you to new birth. Look with me at verse 12 now. If I told you earthly things and you did not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven. Oh, here it is now. None of y'all have been up there, right? So you need heavenly things to be born again. We just got that, right? So he's saying, who's actually gone up to heaven and got the heavenly things? Any of y'all been up there lately? No. Y'all were sleeping. It was a dream. You didn't go up there, okay? He says, if, if I had told you heavenly things, you did not believe. How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is saying, for those in darkness spiritually who can't and won't make ends of all the things God may have even shown you right up in history and nature and in your own life, but you missed because you're in darkness for the proud and privileged and smart. Got it all together, control freaks. And those who are just so beat down and oppressed by life, they can't look up in their pain. Who will miss the exit or, or have eternal life pass them by? Guess what? Jesus came in the flesh to be seen, right? So, so the, the one in heaven, the Son of God, came down in the flesh so those of us who are in flesh can, could see him right? And they wrote about him, right? He has witnesses so that we can grasp eternal life. But that is an understatement, right? Jesus came to be able to grab and snatch those like an OBGYN going into the womb of life, right? Blind to us in delivering those of us who are in dark into spiritual eternal life. Remember Harrison? Sorry, son, I didn't ask. Um, when, oh, he, he back? Where is he? Oh, he backed with the children. Good. When uh, we, we couldn't see him, right? But we could hear his heartbeat, you know, the little thing they put on the monitor. 
And then we couldn't see him. He couldn't see us either. Darkness, separated. And um, they were like, "Uh uh-uh, something ain't right. You know, he wants to come out, but he can't come out. And it turns out he had like the cord wrapped around his neck and he was twisting and turning in the dark of the womb trying to get out. And the more he twisted and turned, the worse it got. I remember the doctor saying, we have to go in and get him. We have to go in and deliver him because he's in distress in that darkness. Don't you understand? You're in spiritual darkness in the womb of life. And Jesus is the one who can come from heaven and go into life's womb and rebirth folks who are in spiritual death and darkness. That's how the spirit, uh, the heavenly things, come to earth and deliver us. For you sci-fi stranger things people, right? You multiverse geeks and nerds. Jesus is telling Nicodemus that Jesus is the earthly, fleshly, divine portal to heaven, to new birth, come to you and in you. But it meant that he had to actually cross over and in our world and hearts to come and be with and sit with and be seen by and then miraculously by his Holy Spirit, touch deeply people like Nicodemus who couldn't see heaven or get heaven unless Jesus in heaven came down to get him which is good news for those of us in spiritual darkness and can't see what God's doing. Jesus has come to make a way for you to see, rather to be seen and grabbed and taken in a new birth, to be arrested in your darkness, to be saved. Jesus didn't come to just talk about the way, the truth, and the life. He became the way, the truth, and the life to new birth and eternal life that begins right now today in the person of Jesus Christ. There is hope and help for a stubborn, can't see how this thing is going to work, because you're too bad or too far gone or too messed up. And when you hear the Bible stuff, you're you're so confused. Like Nicodemus learned, it doesn't matter as much who you are or aren't as much as who Jesus came to be for you. And he explains using an Old Testament story that Nicodemus would know where God's people, when they were in a desert desert leaving slavery, headed to the promised land in the middle passage, They started acting like they had never seen a known God and acting all disobedient. And yes, God, he's still nice and loving. He sent venomous snakes to bite them all. (laughs) That's called a spanking, God style. And the only way they could be healed was Moses had to make a replica of a snake and put it up on a pole. And when they looked at it, they were healed. Do you understand what it meant for Jesus to actually come? Like, it wasn't like Moses said, go have a dream. When you wake up, you'll be healed. He said, no, you actually have to take your eyes and look at this physical snake thing on a stick to be healed for something spiritually you did wrong. That's affecting your body, right? Look at the snake. Look at this thing, this venomous disease thing. Jesus came to help those infected and posed poison by sin. And sin caused your spiritual uh, blindness, right? And there was no way to find the antidote. So Jesus, like that snake Moses held up, became sin and spiritual. You can't make this stuff up. I just can't believe this happened. It's, it, it, snake on a stick, Right? Jesus on a cross, right? Like God had this thing figured out, didn't he? 
He said, he became our spiritual darkness and sin and ignorance on the cross. And if we look to him and what he did on the cross for real in history and taking sin on himself, when we see him, we see and then understand and get eternal life. You know, I went to the Clemson game yesterday. And on 85, I don't know if you've ever taken that route, right past this old Baptist church, if you go at night, is a neon cross sign. On 85, it is artistically brutal. <laughs> it's just a square little cross with, with red lights says, Jesus saves. Oh, great. I must be in upstate South Carolina. <laughs> that cross is bigger than the church. It just is up there. You can't help it. Dang. Oh, I'm going to sound corny right now. I'm from South Carolina. It's okay. But that's the way Jesus is on the highway of life, right? No, not take the wheel, Jesus. But that's the way he is on the highway of life. It's darkness and you're lost. Just driving somewhere. And his cross, what he came to do, had to actually be light in our world. He's telling Nicodemus here, all the rest of that stuff in your life can't save you or change you. It is a good start, but it won't get you to the finish line, man. I came to grab you and take you. I came for you to see me. I came for you to look at what I actually did in this fleshly world to save you spiritually. But there's another reason why Nicodemus missed it. He didn't see or accept the love of God or the love God had for him. You see, when Jesus was using born-again born language, did you know it went against everything Jewish in Nicodemus? Because he was born as God's promised people. He don't need to be born again, right? You're chosen. You're a Jew. In fact, born again was a term Jews used to talk about those who weren't God's chosen people, who needed to be born of the Spirit and then washed ceremonially by the water. They had to go through all of that ceremony cleansing the Jewish religious way, and then it must have been a mighty work that got them there. So there was a little ethnic pride and superiority going on there with Nicodemus. That's why he even says, kind of man into the womb again. I don't know if he's being a little smart mouth, but he's like, look, I'm already a Jew. What do I need? What more do I need to get saved? Jesus says this in verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know what Jesus was saying? Nicodemus, you good Jews think that it would take some kind of extra special love for the Gentiles to get saved. But not as much as you not so much for you. But did you know that it was always God's grace and extra special love that you, that you Jews were and would ever be saved? 
the same degree of love that saved the Gentiles would have to be the same thing, the same show of love that would save the Jew, who would save the proud, who would save the religious, the competent, the kind of love that would send his only son, an intimate part of himself, to be treated like a snake, a scoundrel, to save you. Guess what, Nicodemus? Just because he loves you. And that would have been something that would have torn a new one into everything that Nicodemus had lived for and been motivated by. He wanted to work his relationship with God. And God wanted to love him into it. He wanted to work it. And God wanted to redefine it and say, it's not by work. It's not by understanding it. It's by grace. I must ask you and me, based on what Nicodemus learned that day, in a world that's a, I heard the coach of Clark's football team say it the other day, this is a meritocracy. If you're good enough, you play the position. If not, next man up. I'm like, great, that is not Christianity. But he right, right? You, when y'all go see the Panthers today, do you want the coach to be like, hey, I show up at the game. Hey, you look like you love the team. Come on in, man. Just because of love. No. But in a world that's a meritocracy, as you got to be the right ethnicity or have the right grades or enough money or a good enough FICO score or know the right people or be connected, be born in this country, be documented in this way or have the perfect family with mother and daddy in it. Jesus says none of that plays a part in who and what Jesus does in salvation. How else would you and I get into the kingdom? How else could you and I make right sense of this life how else could our present lives mean more than what you see or think? How else could you who are but flesh be born again to eternal spiritual kingdom? How else would and could you be victorious over sin and death and brokenness? What else would compel God to come into darkness, to be born in the likeness of sinful flesh, so that everyone and anyone can be citizens of God's kingdom and born again with the privileges of sons and daughters of, king, of the king's spiritual royalty? It had to be love. And nothing else. And we who are Nicodemuses need to let, this melt, let that melt us and mold us and reach us. If I could rewrite this very famous verse, I won't. But it would probably go something like this. So it was out of his love for sinners like you and me and Nicodemus that God sent his son to die for you and me that we could be born again because of his love. God's reasons why? Love for the proud, the stubborn, and the competent. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. for being the light in our darkness. We don't, all, we don't know what's going on, Lord, <laughs> some of us. But you came to enlighten us, to help us to see, to grab us and deliver us out of darkness. 
I pray that you would do this today in the hearts and lives of your people. And for those of us who are born again, who are believers today, help us to remember what our salvation is really all about. It isn't because we're smarter than everybody else. It isn't because we're better than anybody else, but it's because you so loved us. Free of anything we could have done to save us. Lord, as we remember that, help us in our conversations with people around us. Help us not to come in with superior way of thinking and talking and acting like, you know, we got it. Help us to communicate it like Jesus got us. Um, Lord, please be with us, we pray this week in Jesus' name. Amen.